Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, and sometimes Emmaus. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love Podcast. All right, and hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Lehigh Valley with Love Podcast. Ooh, 22, big one. Which will be less exciting as last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still hungover, George. I'm still recovering. You let I, yourself get loose on that one a little bit. It was the champagne. We had leftover champagne. I'm not a big champagne guy. You're a mimosa boy. And then when you throw orange juice on the champagne, and then you get some uh, That's what it was. Mangaritas. That's what really threw you for the loop, was the orange juice on the champagne. It's true. Um, so we're, we, got a, we got a cool one coming. What are you doing right now? I'm moving just because I feel like <laughs> my back is towards people. It's, it's like you're trying to crawl out. The yeah, window. it's like, are you, are you cool with us? Fine. Fine. Uh, yeah, we got uh, local legend. Well, in and, studio guests. In it's studio the most, guests. It's most well, they'll exciting. be able to tell that through the, the sound quality. Usually this when we true. have a call in. As soon as I start talking, they'll be like, oh, this is an in-studio <laughs> oh, yeah, guest. Yeah, it's studio. It's Adam Yenser. How's it going, guys? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Writer on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Which is and, pretty cool. Uh, has been on Conan. Yep. Late night. The late night set on Conan. Uh, amongst other things. And yeah. you're from, you went to high school. I went to Emmaus. I'm from Macungie originally. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I think your website says Hellertown. I don't think it does. I think maybe Crystal I, was wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we were like, I was telling my wife. Uh-huh. Because she's like, oh my God, he's on Ellen. That's so great. <laughs> And, uh, and she was like, well, it's funny because we have a dory uh, oh, bath huh. mat in the in the bathroom. She's like, you think that's weird? Because Ellen's the voice of Dory. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, no, this you're really overthinking this. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go to the bathroom. Like, All right, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. I, yeah, like, this this is, uh, I like to leave work at this the is office. Really, <laughs> this is a little too on the nose. For, did you guys put this here because I was coming? Yeah. But she's like, wait, Hellertown, I, I think. I don't know. But anyway, McCungie, same thing. Yeah. So yeah. you went to Mays, uh and um, you just got started. You went to Penn State, and you majored in. Uh... I, I double majored in uh, film and video and philosophy, and then I got a internship at. I, I eventually got an internship for Conan when he had late night in New York, uh-huh. and then that's how I got into the industry. Um, before that, my sophomore year, I interned at the Maury Povich Show. Oh, that was my first. Uh, my first four. Really? What year was that? That would have been. I mean, Conan was two thousand five, so that would have been two thousand four. Okay, yeah. how was that? It was interesting. It, so, like, I I wanted to get into like comedy writing and like like SNL was like always like kind of the dream. Um, so that some, that summer I applied to like every internship uh-huh. like I could find. Like I applied to like Daily Show, Letterman, Conan, and then like soap operas, the, the Mari Povich show. <laughs> they were the only one that got back to me. Really? So I was like, all right, like, I'll somebody take wants it. to work here. I'll <laughs> take it. Uh, and so our job at the Mari Povich show as interns was to take calls from the people that wanted to be guests on the show. Oh. So, like, at some shows that I've worked at, like, the reception phone lines will ring, like, a few times throughout the day. And, like, yeah. you know, people will call in. At Maury, they run the number, like, all day. Yeah. So it's just morning to night, people calling in, like, oh, one of, one of these yeah. eight men is my baby's <laughs> yeah. daddy. Or, oh, I need my, I teeth. Yeah. I need my teeth fixed. Yeah. Fix yeah. my teeth. Well, and then half of them are, like, legitimate callers and then there's also just people prank calling all day well the reason i asked what year was because i don't even know if you know this but so you were on the maury povich i was asked to be on the maury povich show really yeah i was asked i was so the girl i went to high school with got into the porn industry Uh after high school and she wasn't like i'm not so i'm not the only legend to grow (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so she but when she was in high school she she oh this is gonna sound douchey she had a lot of you know she She'd look different 
uh-huh. when she got into the adult entertainment well, industry. You're telling me that she, porn changed her a little porn bit? Porn changed her a little bit. So she wanted me and my friend Tim Fry, you know Tim, yeah, uh, to be on the show as the kids that bullied her in high school but now she's hot oh yeah yeah but we didn't bully her in high school oh she just so i was like i was like hey i like email this guy sent me a message on like facebook he's uh-huh. like hey my name's tyler uh we want you to be on this you bullied this girl show i'm like no yeah i don't want to yeah. do that and then i i messaged her i'm like what is this and she was like i thought it would help your career this <laughs> is <laughs> when i first like started comedy you know what she's not that wrong no it's- i didn't me and tim talk about it I, I regret it every day. Well, he wasn't like uh, Marilyn Manson was like on yeah Phil Donahue back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I regret jumpstart. I think I wish we would have done it and like like me and Tim should have started fighting for her <laughs> in her honor and just turned it into. You're just like, like I debacle. bullied you because I loved you. How often was, does that happen? Like people well, just like take it on themselves to ruin the show. Well, <laughs> what, what I was gonna say was two things. What was interesting is around the time I started in 2004 was around the time like the maury show they always did like some paternity tests but they used to do like sometimes it was like kids with weird diseases or like making someone's dreams come true yeah. or they do like that i was i was a geek and now i'm hot once. yeah yeah around 2004 was like when they started transitioning just all paternity tests all day like <laughs> that, that was the money maker yeah because that's that was like what got the ratings yeah but then um like as far as people coming on and like sort of staging a fight or something mm-hmm. like that I think that happened a lot more on like shows like Springer. Yeah. Because at Maury like they the producers never like like they never like made up the stories. And they would do their best to vet like that this is a mm-hmm. legitimate, you know, person coming on and like the the story they're telling yeah. is real. Now, it's hard to say whether anyone ever got through and was just sort of right, inventing their story, yeah. you know. But but for the most part they had producers that would like when we when someone called in like with an interesting story, we'd like write it down and then pass it along to the producers and then they'd call them and like follow up and uh-huh. sort of try to try to weed out, you know, <laughs> yeah, who, weed out who had the, a real story. I love the job of vetting. Yeah. Like, because you hear like only in like politics, like we're gonna vet this, the candidate or vet yeah. whoever, you know. Make sure the, that she actually yeah, has it's exactly. like Pompeo got vetted the same way. Well, yeah. some, they, some weirdo with seventeen did children. They just say like, do they just realize this is? A moneymaker, this type of show. I th- so let's just not even try a different type anymore. I, I don't know exactly what what the. I, I don't even know if there was like a conscious decision to shift towards that. I know like those shows are kind of what got the ratings. It's sort of what like Maury became known for was mm-hmm. like the "You are the father, yeah, you're not yeah. the father." But um, what was funny with those is like when you said about like people fighting is like so where we were was like sort of backstage and like a little like office <laughs> off to the side. But when, like, the men or the women would, like, freak out after the test, and, like, sometimes you see the cameras, like, ca- follow them through the hallways. So we'd just be sitting back there, and, like, people, when they're, like, either hysterically, like, angry or hysterically happy, they'll just run berserk through the yeah. studio. So, like, at any moment, Somebody there's just, like, screaming lunch. people yeah. just, like, yeah. running through with, like, a camera yeah. crew following You're, them like, through finishing an email. And then, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. And then the other thing is, uh, I always, like, whenever I'm, like, talking about, like, backstage stuff at shows... <laughs> I always wonder, like, how much I'm, like, allowed to talk about. Because, um, do you know the comedian Joe Mandy? Yeah. Have you heard of him? Mm -hmm. So he, around the time he was starting stand-up, he was an intern with me at the Maury Povich show at the same time. Uh So we were both interns there. And uh, then a couple years after that at the UCB Theater in New York, he had a show there called Tuesdays with Maury. And he made, like, a one-man show. Oh, really? Out of his, like, Maury Povich experience. yeah. Um, and I went to see it because um, at that time, Ellie Kemper had a one-woman show there, and she had interned with me at Conan. Okay. And so I went yeah. to see her show, and then they were like, 
double billed. I didn't even look what the next show was, and I stayed. And I was like, oh, this is he's doing a whole show about like the the internship yeah. that I like worked with him. And then I think eventually the Maury show, the producer sent him like a cease and desist really? letter that he couldn't like That's talk weird. about That's the, crazy. the backstage stuff at Maury. Is anymore. he a good guy? Is Maury a, what's he like? Uh, I only met him once at the end of the like inter- like I'd see him around. Um, I didn't interact with him a whole lot, but I talked to him once, and he seemed like a he always like looks a, nice a little guy. sad. Well, I mean, like, I, I was because I remember maybe it's my thought. How of him often do you see him? I I work from home, so I see Maury like, once a <laughs> week, like a couple times. I watch a lot more Doctor Phil, yeah, than Maury, uh, but he just always seems like he like he used to. Like, I asked about the shows. It seems like they used to have some quality shows back in the day, mm-hmm. and now it's just like ruining people's lives. Right. <laughs> and how'd you switch to um, Ellen? So and then so basically for, for it was comedy that was the dream. Yeah. So then after then I, I like I got that internship at Maury and then you know even though it is a sort of you know weird daytime show I, after I had that on my resume then I had applied to the Conan internships and a bunch of the other ones again the next semester um, I took a semester off actually and delayed graduating so I could intern at Conan um, and then that internship led to I worked as the receptionist at Conan and kind of hired the other interns and supervised them. And then from there, I got promoted to the segment producer's assistant at Conan and then moved out to the West Coast when his show moved out there for mm-hmm. the Tonight Show. Um, and then I was there for the whole Tonight Show. Uh, yeah. Debacle. The, the debacle, yeah. Which was like it was it was weird because it was like like lo- losing the like we all moved out to think, oh, we're at the Tonight Show. We're set. We're it's over here yeah. for years. Um, and then it was weird to like lose the show, but it was also like a really exciting time to work there because like the whole country was paying attention. There was yeah. like, oh, fans yeah. rallying outside yeah. the studio. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. And then, uh, then after he got the show at TBS, um, I worked at that show for about a year and I I was still a segment producer's assistant and wanted to get into writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and a writing job had opened at Conan and I applied to it, but I didn't get it. Um, so then I was like, it's going to be years before another writing spot opens here. So I started applying around to other shows. Um, and Ellen was on the Warner brothers lot. Um, which is where Conan tapes now also. So I, I like through a friend of a friend, I heard of the job opening Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, so you kind of went about <clears throat> your comedy career the proper way, like so, you, sort of working yeah. my way up. Yeah, yeah, in the industry, and then like stand up was always something that I that I started that in New York when I was working at Conan, um, just as like a sort of side thing that I wanted to get into on my yeah. own. Yeah, and it's it's so you're I mean you're like a conservative comedian, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. We, me and Adam last night went up to uh, Wil- the M- Wisecrackers in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. We had a long... Was that was my, in Wilkes-Barre? Those yeah. were my two dreams, was to write for SNL and to perform at the Wisecrackers <laughs> well, in Wilkes-Barre. I, yeah, me too. And I've, <laughs> I've achieved that w- Wisecrackers well, many was, times. When I, yeah, when I was growing up, Wilkes-Barre was like... The city? Like Scranton was the city. And Wilkes-Barre is kind of like... Jesus, that little, makes me sad. <laughs> but it's the truth. But, but yeah, guess where the movie theater was? <laughs> the <laughs> movie theater. This is the only one we could get. To. The movie theater at the top of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, true. at the top. So, but Ellen's like kind of like she's like uh, n- not conservative, right? No, no so, one in no one in, uh, in Hollywood is, yeah. is conservative. Uh, yeah. But so, wait, when you say, I mean, just when you say conservative, yeah. you know, like some some people now yeah. in this climate. They're going to think one thing. So what do you mean when, when you say I'm conservative? What does that mean to you? Uh, I have pretty traditional social values. I'd say I have sort of libertarian views on the law and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't a Trump supporter, but I, I don't hate everything he's doing. I also don't yeah. like everything he's right. doing. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty socially conservative. Yeah. That's, like, a big one that people out in L.A. are, are not socially conservative. Do you right. get any Anything. kickback on that? or? Uh, like, it's something that I'm not super, like, confrontational about it, but I also don't hide it. Like, there are some people who are conservative in Hollywood and sort of mm-hmm. hide it. Like, there's this group in Hollywood called Friends of Abe, which <laughs> is, like, a secret society yeah. of, like, Republicans in the industry. Um, and, and I know a few people who are in that. Um, I, I don't necessarily like the idea of like treating it like you have to like like right. the way people treat it now is like you have to be in the closet as yeah, a yeah, conservative yeah. yeah like it's so I always I, I don't hide my feelings and I've you know discussed it with other writers and other comedians yeah. and stuff like that and then on stage like what I always like to do in my comedy is I like to do I like to find ways to try to make conservative material work for liberal mm-hmm. audiences yeah there are a handful of other like Republican comics that I know but they seem to they, they like to try to carve out an audience from like-minded Republican people. Yeah. Whereas I think it's kind of it's risky at times, and there's definitely times when I lose the crowd. But I sort of like working to try to get them to yeah. Laugh well, that's the on one thing sides. I like I like like I like look up to Adam for like because you're like you're you you haven't let anything no, change your well, but in, in entertainment that happens all day all the time you kind of you you find out what works. And what people want to hear, and you kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah. And you kind of, you're in, like, Ellen, like, as far as I know, like, she's very vocal sure. right now politically. And so you would think that that would be a conflict, but you've, yeah. you, it hasn't been. It, it hasn't been a conflict. I mean, there are times when, and, and through my stand up, I, I, there are ideas I have for like sketches and jokes and stuff that I wish there was more of a platform right. for that. Um, and our show isn't even like a super political show. Um, we've certainly like mentioned Trump, you know, more than we've like sort of delved into politics in the yeah. past. Um, but yeah, it's not like, it's not like the late night shows, which are sort of, ov- have become overtly political almost mm-hmm. every night. Now. Yeah. 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 And, and it's weird. I mean, with, in terms of politics now, it's like you, people, I think they think either you're, you have to be a hundred percent Trump or a hundred percent the other side. Yeah. When, when the real things happen in the right, middle. Right, and most yeah. people I think are somewhere in between, <laughs> right. which is, that's one of the reasons I think there really needs to be like some conservative voice, especially in late night, because I get that Hollywood is a sort of, it's a liberal industry, the coast, you know, New York and LA, mm-hmm. they are very liberal places. But what sort of, I find like disappointing about the, the landscape of late night comedy is that it's not just people who are, generally liberal they're liberal on every issue yeah so it seems odd that when the country most people have nuanced points of view on things you think that there would be one host even if they lean liberal that there would be one that's like pro-life or one that's pro-gun or one Mm -hmm. that's you know a trump supporter or one that you know is you know pro-traditional marriage or that there is one that would have on one issue a conservative point of view yeah yeah but they sort of all go left on every single issue because now now it's you know, if if somebody came out who was liberal and said, "Oh, I agree with this one thing," then they're they have the fear, like, "Well, now yeah, totally yeah, alienate everyone." You, you gotta agree with up. Trump on one thing, you're ruined. It's yeah. like, well, you you got to sign up for everything. It's like I like politics right now is like there's two uh, all you can eat buffets across the street <laughs> from each other, and you'll go into one and you'll be like, "Well, I like this thing. I'm gonna get a little bit." Also, do you have uh, like? equal rights for this or like no we don't have that that's across the street we'll never have that so it's like I can only get the things you're serving here but there's a thing over there I like 
Can you have that? No, no, I'll never. We'll never make that here. Well, it's like I'm not a big Trump guy, but mm-hmm. I'm also a big. I'm happy we're talking to North Korea person. Yeah, like that, I, I'm agree. Like that's good. So it's tough. people. But people it's always, one or the other, and, and it's tough. People always say how like, like the, the the whole concept is well. There's a lot of people in the middle that'll agree, which I agree with. But there's also more people like on on the same side that disagree. Like yeah. just because you're liberal. Like there's people I'm a liberal guy, but there's people that are liberal that I'm like, dude, I don't you're not right on that. Right. Like and they go too far. But, and that's what I like about Adam. Adam yeah. like like there's things and I, I Glenn Tickle always says this yeah. about you. Like like you, you disagree with the, the logic behind it, but the joke is funny. And Adam that's, is like, that's what the, I try to do. I, yeah. try to, I, I think it makes you write harder when you're yeah. like, I, I want to make people laugh at this even if they disagree with yeah. it. Kind of. Yeah. That's pretty fun, right? And, and I think that's something that's missing in a lot of comedy today on both sides. Like I said, there are a few other, you know, Republican or conservative stand ups out there that, you know, they, they perform just for that audience. And then also, there's a lot of liberal comics nowadays who idolize people like George Carlin or John mm-hmm. Stewart or you know like Bill Hicks and these sort of older like yeah. classic comics now. Like John Stewart's still around, but you know these these people that were around years ago and had what what today would be considered you know pretty liberal points of view on things. But the thing is, at the time that they were doing that, culture was more prudish and more conservative, yeah. so they were sort of going against the grain. Right. Ever since you know John Stewart's Daily Show took off culture especially in the comedy industry and especially like the the audiences at comedy clubs especially in the cities they are very liberal to begin with yeah so you're not really going against the grain by going in there and saying things that the audience right. already agrees with you're not really sort of pushing anyone's boundaries or yeah. doing anything that's that edgy yeah. and then you know the the other risk there now with like you know people how sensitive everyone is now <laughs> and this happens on both sides is like you want to be edgy and you want to push the envelope, but now you know someone goes home and blogs about right. it or puts it on YouTube yeah. and says, "Oh, this person tried this joke and it yeah, offended yeah. me," and then they destroy yeah, they destroy careers. Yeah, there's over no it. trying anymore. Yeah. Like try, like that's the whole thing with stand up, especially trying and like, failing. We're, we're, and, yeah. Like we're we have to try things in front of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's almost like no margin of error because if you try something that's risky and not funny yet, like you you can you you know somebody will have their phone out. And be like, look at this guy bombing with this terrible idea. Yeah. But if it's hilarious, it's kind of harder to poke holes in it. But it's yeah. not hilarious immediately. So it's hard to really kind of like get material, like work on material sometimes. Yeah. And I don't like how they, the thing where they'll like try to shame people or ruin mm-hmm. their careers for making, you know, an off color joke. Yeah. Because, so, well, some people will put it out there. Like when Kathy Griffin put that thing on Twitter, you know, she was obviously trying to be provocative in that sense. So I think some of that backlash was deserved. I don't know whether I ever agree someone's career should be destroyed, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you're putting it out to a wide audience like that, but when you're in a comedy club and testing things out and then people try to go home and say like, like what happened years ago to um, Tracy Morgan, when Uh he said, if I had a, if I had a gay son, I'd stab him or something like that. And then someone went home and blogged about it. He had to go on an apology tour. Right. The thing is, is like with jokes like that, they are horrible out of context. But in the comedy club, the the deepest way you can punish a comedian is not laughing. Yeah. If that doesn't get laughs, that's then it. He's, he's not going to yeah. up again. Yeah. Any any joke that a comedian tells, if it's so offensive or horrible that the audience doesn't laugh, that's going to tell yeah. them, okay, I can't do that anymore. And then if it does make people laugh and you find it offensive, you just don't – you yeah. personally are not a fan of that comedian anymore. You don't have to go see them. Yeah. You don't have to say – You mean to tell me that if I don't like something, I yeah. don't have to – You don't yeah. have to ruin it <laughs> yeah. for everyone yeah. else. Like, yeah. Well, it's I crazy. love the whole thing. Like People will go to a, a comedy show and watch somebody on stage for an hour, and 55 minutes they're laughing at things 
no matter what it is. They're yeah. making fun of anything. But then one thing will get said about the thing that strikes a chord in them. And they're like, yeah, I, I'm going to. So you were laughing for 98 percent of this show. Yeah. One thing hurt well, your feelings. People are very much like they can't. There's not a lot of laughing at ourselves. Yeah. Anymore. It's even, you know, it's people get it, bring it back to like when somebody cuts you off in traffic and they give you the finger. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's OK to say I'm wrong or I can look at somebody else's point of view. Right. But yeah, it's very um, even with like on the blog stuff on social media. Oh, yeah, he, George is one of those bloggers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't try to ruin people's careers. Yeah. I've only gotten, like, two people fired. But, you know, But, people, I mean, like, reviewing so, like, things and giving with, your opinion is yeah. different than saying, yeah. you know, this person said this and they should either apologize or be fired, uh -huh. you know, which is what a lot of people do now. Do, do you think the Jon Stewart Daily Show uh, is somewhat responsible for where we're at right now, like, with comedy and the lib like Well... Culturally, I think, especially in the younger generations, like I think the Daily Show was a huge force in making liberalism cool and conservatism uh -huh. uncool for for many years. Um, I I do think like what's what's like amusing to me at times is I'm trying to think of some examples off the top of my head, but there are there are times when it's like liberals themselves who they'll say something innocuous that someone then says, oh, that's subtly racist or mm -hmm. that was sexist, and then. It's like I don't think they should be sort of censored and punished for that stuff, but it was this culture of like, you know, don't say gay because that offends gay people. Don't make any joke about black people because that yeah. you know white people are in power and you can't you can't make any jokes about anything, and that I don't think John Stewart and that the, his Daily Show sort of pushed that entirely, but the sort of roots of like what happened in comedy in like the early two thousands that all sort of snowballed into the sort of hypersensitive culture that we have now where like college bookers won't let you come and do any material right. that would offend anyone. Mm -hmm. And now there are even liberal comics pushing back against that sort of PC culture. Yeah. But that, that whole culture was sort of initiated by, you know, this, this sort of liberal PC uh -huh. attitude that you can't joke about certain people in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're under the mindset that like joking, if you're joking, mm -hmm. the, like it's the whole, the, the Patrice thing, remember there, like, if 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 it's it's coming from a place of trying to be funny, yeah. The only thing that can make it bad is if you don't laugh at it. Like so, I mean, there's things, definitely awesome. things you can't say. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, it's not that, and it's not that I don't think there are things that you shouldn't say, like that are like horribly racist or horribly violent. Yeah, but I I'm always like, if there's any issue where I would say I'm like an extremist, it's on free speech. I'm pretty much right. for like whether I agree with it, whether I don't agree with it, whether it's right. terrible. Uh -huh. I think you should be allowed to say it. And I think where it's hard in any art form, especially comedy, but, you know, whether it's visual arts or, you know, classical arts, mm -hmm. anything, is that it's hard to ever say that there's, like, a line to be drawn where you can't cross this line. Because when it does come to things that are, like, horribly offensive or violent, or even things that are that are somewhat offensive that people will get, you know, start outrage, getting outraged about, there is this sense of you can be offensive if it's funny enough and good enough art to make uh -huh. the risk worth it. Yeah. Like there are, like, yeah. I would say like, like not like for instance, like Louis C.K. I know he's in trouble for other things now, <laughs> but he had that bit about the N word yeah. where he would, he would say the N word on yeah. stage. And I would say, you know, 99.99% of the time, a white comic should never use that word. Right. However, in that bit, and that bit might offend some people, there was a sort of brilliance to the risk he took that almost made crossing that line worth, worth it. Worth it for him, And yeah. same with, like, South Park when they did an episode about that word. Yeah. Like, 
I think it's hard to ever say like you can't say this or you can't go there. Uh-huh. But then what you have is shock value comics and sort of amateur hacky comics that hear that kind of stuff. And, and then they're like, oh, it. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to yeah, yeah. say this yeah. or go there. At the and open they, mic. And they don't have the sort of artistic talent to make it worth the risk like Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw him. I thought it was great, but there were people around us walking out. Yeah. He just, what I mean, that's his deal. Is yeah. He's going to go. That stuff will happen. I think you, if, if it's not happening, like, if, I mean, the whole, the whole fun of this, like, when I like, because when I watch Adam and what I like about it is, you know, you, you do turn people that there's bits like even last night. Yeah. There's bits that you could tell on the premise that these people are going to, they push back. Yeah. Little, but then by the punchline, they're like, they're laughing. Yeah. And like watching that super cool. And that's Especially what the Wilkes name Mara. of the game is. Uh, well, yeah, they were, uh, they were like a younger crowd though. So, you know, yeah, like, I was surprised how young the, yeah. the audience was. Yeah. Well, they they, were, they yeah. try to come back with you. <laughs> Get us no, out no, of they, here. They didn't. Um, well, speaking of like small town, I mean, I, I, you do a lot of different things locally. I mean, yeah. I see a lot of your shows. You know, for somebody who's, you know, you mentioned living on either coast, yeah. doing successful things in uh, TV shows that I'm sure a lot of there's aspiring comedy writers locally who would be like, holy shit, I'm never yeah. coming back. Right. Get, you know, what's some of your appeal to saying, you know, I'm going to swing into the Lehigh Valley here and there. And Well, my family's still here. My parents and my <laughs> brother still live here. So I, I come back often to visit them. And uh, what I do like is, like, around the time I started stand-up, which was about 10 years ago now, um, the stand-up scene in the Lehigh Valley had kind of just gotten started where Ryan Hill had started the uh, Tickle Me Tuesdays at the Allentown Brew Works. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, besides just coming back to see my family, one of the reasons I like you know, working around here and doing stand-up when I come back is because the stand-up scene has sort of taken off a little bit around here. There's a lot of bar shows, and, you know, at the Steel Stacks, they have shows pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are opportunities to get up. It, it is hard sometimes because I feel like it's the... When I come back here, it's often the same audience coming back. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of good places to perform around here. And, uh, and, and I also like sort of testing material that, you know, there's, there's sometimes... And it's not just along political lines because i don't only do political comedy i do mm. you know observational right. stuff too and then i usually work in a few political jokes but i don't i'm not like a strictly political comic um but it is interesting to see which jokes do well for la or new york crowds mm-hmm. and then when you get outside of the cities um you know what kind of audiences what they go for right right that, yeah that's what I, yeah it's like the leah valley is like this cool blend of different perspectives that oh, yeah. you get a you get a gauge for like I, I think the Lehigh Valley is like middle, like the, the America. Like this is like a representation of what America is. Yeah. It's very 50-50. Yeah. I mean, even if like just people. Not even just politics, just like with anything. Yeah. Like, and that's that's what's cool about it. So do you think like, um, you know, is, you, I mean, you're obviously having a great time in L.A. Yeah, it's, right? yeah, it's been going good out there. I, I like it. I miss New York sometimes. I, I loved living in New York also, but um. You know, LA is fun, and my what's, career, what's my different career has about gone it? Well. Or what's like better about it? Or? Uh, the energy is different. Like New York has more. New New York has an energy that like no other place has. LA is a little more laid back. Um, like stand up wise, I, and there and there's, you know, it, it's hard to say that there's like a strict line because you'll find different comics and different mm-hmm. audiences both places. But what I've found, when it comes to comedians. New York, I would say, has more of the sort of writerly mindset comedians, like out of like the sort of Mitch Hedberg, Stephen yeah. Wright kind of mold where they're doing sort of cerebral jokes. Yeah, right. And then L.A. has more of the like 
performery kind of like like Jim Carrey, like animated people that uh, like to physical do characters stuff. and and not even necessarily that that animated, but they're more people that are come from like an acting and performing mm-hmm. background rather than a writing background. Right. But you have you know different comics both places, and then audience wise, in both places I think y- you have to sort of win over the audience very quickly. But I do feel like in LA audiences are often on your side at the start. Yeah. Whereas in New York, they're yeah. sort of there with arms crossed, yeah, like, like just like try to make me laugh. It, yeah, like, prove it. Happen, yeah, yeah, you have to win. You have to, you have to get me. On yeah, your side. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's me. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. But uh, oh, one thing, just sort of about living in LA, and New York, and this has to do like with the energy of it a little bit. One of my friends said this. It's sort of corny, but I, I, I think I like I really related to it. He said in New York. You can be nobody and feel like somebody, and in LA you can be somebody and still feel like yeah, nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's just you know, in LA everyone's sort of doing something, right. and you never feel like you made it even when you yeah, made yeah. It. Whereas in New York, I think it's because of the energy. Like I was like an intern working at Rockefeller Center, but I felt awesome because yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'm in the center of everything. yeah, you're this thirty cool. rock, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've done you've done well. We were talking about that last night. How you know for, I mean, you're doing like in terms of. A career better than 99 percent of people but yeah you still have that feeling where you haven't made it yet, well right it, what, what i always say like in la is you're you know you are doing better when i come back to pennsylvania it's like oh you're doing better than like you said 90 percent of people or whatever but you're living in la in the shadow of the 10 percent that are doing better. right yeah, yeah, so yeah you're always sort of like you know your your apartment is you know, you look out <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you see the houses on the hills yeah and yeah just, and you go to work every day with like the a list celebrities that are coming through mm-hmm. um you know and you're sort of around that culture all the time right so um yeah I mean it it it's it's fun out there but yeah you do have to sort of deal with that uh-huh. what would you say for <clears throat> you know for somebody who wants to make kind of your career arc I know it doesn't work out perfectly that way yeah but you start as an intern is that something where you would recommend start I, ground level i think internships are the best way to get into the entertainment mm-hmm. industry it's it's a very it, it is like a very competitive industry and it's a very <clears throat> hard thing to get into if you don't know people in right. it already so yeah I, I always tell people like while they're in college try to get whatever internships you can even like i said like i started at the maury povich show yeah so apply to you know your dream job but apply to as many yeah, anything. as you can yeah. and then sort of when once you get your foot in the door the industry is also very small and sort of connected once you're inside yeah. of it like producers and writers and directors all move back and forth between different shows mm-hmm. so once you're in it and you start making connections um it becomes easier to find other work yeah. from there uh, and what I've also found both at every show I've worked for is, and especially I know because like when I was working at Conan, I hired the interns. If you get an internship and you're willing to do like the the bitch work and like get people coffee, yeah. and it's not glamorous. It is very easy to stand out as a good intern right. when you're willing to do that stuff and sort of be dedicated to it, because a lot of people, everyone who becomes an intern in that industry, dreams of being you know the director or the star or the right. writer. And a lot of people sort of let that get to them, mm-hmm. go to their head right away, where they're there, like, "I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna this. show up here and I'm gonna pitch jokes, and they're gonna love me, <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. gonna be a writer by, by yeah. next year." But you know, the interns that are willing to sort of just do the work and you know quietly and confidently work their way up, mm-hmm. I think that that goes a lot further than right. trying to like stand out as like a class clown or like a star where you draw right because there to can only be so many stars, yeah. and you need you need even in like. A writing room. You need you need the workers, right? Yeah. You need the worker bees to. Yeah. 
So I was going through your uh, IMDb, uh-huh. uh huh, which is pretty impressive. But I stumbled across you, you worked on Forensic Files, yeah, which I've seen every episode of. So <laughs> that's can you his tell favorite me? show. Is it really? I was like, I, I, you know, I found... you know they're based in Allentown. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. do you know Christopher Elston? Maybe I don't know Christopher. I, well, there's like my wife's mom was in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So what'd you do on that? I'm just uh, always. Curious. I was just a production assistant on that. Um, that was let me think. I think that was after I. After I graduated, or no, I think it was after my first semester interning at Conan, and then I was here over the summer, so I wanted to um, just find some industry work around here, Mm -hmm. and uh, like a family friend or somebody had heard that Forensic Files was based around here, so I emailed them a resume, and they hire a lot of like day hire production assistants from around here, so it was just for like, it was just for maybe a year that I worked for them on a few shoots. Um, but just as a production assistant, kind of setting up lights, setting up. Uh, it's, a, it's such a weird show because <clears throat> my buddy Chris Elston. Yeah, I know Chris. He's like a dead body in one of them. He, <laughs> yeah. he works on NFL Network. He does a lot of different like camera. And, and they shoot and at like a lot of places around here. Like there's an old like like crappy motel yeah. off <laughs> of uh, like where Kmart used to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by Tillman they... by Tillman Street. Uh-huh. When I think you, when you go past Tillman Street, <clears throat> the Sterling. Like, is yeah, it the Ster- yeah, yeah. There's just this old hotel, and they would always use that as like the murder hotel, like the, <laughs> the shady hotel yeah, yeah. where like you know, the think, bodies are found. I think they're done. I think. Really? I think it's done. Um, but yeah, it was always because I tell people because it's such a popular show. And I'm like, you know, that's filmed yeah. like down the street. Yeah. There's yeah. people in there. I love how that's what our claim to fame is the show where murders happen. Yeah. It's a great, it's so well done. I was always, when I found out it was made here, I'm like, that's, it makes me prouder to be here. And then one of the cool things I got to do on that show actually was like, I did a few shoots around here, like at that hotel. And then like sometimes Shady. they'd like rent out somebody's <clears throat> home or a model home to shoot like in a, a garage or mm-hmm. wherever else murders happen. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. part of the house yeah. the body is founded. Um, but then the one shoot we did was like a, they needed like a night shoot and it was like a winter scene. And we went to some place in New Jersey where they actually have like a soundstage, which they have a lot of those on like the lots out in L.A., but I, you don't see them much around here. But it was cool because they had built like inside a soundstage, like a evergreen forest and they had like <laughs> snow falling yeah. and they had like a like a truck with chains on yeah, it. Yeah. They'll sort of drive through the snow inside the soundstage. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> That's a great gig making the, the set for where uh, will look most like where a murder could take place. Mm. That's a. <laughs> So when you're out in LA, do you do you keep up with like some like the local stuff going on, like news or like you mean back around here? Back around here, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, I mean, I hear it from my parents a lot. What's going on? They tell you about Ed Pulaski. <laughs> I don't think I've heard about Ed Pulaski. Oh no! Oh do man, this is the first time we've brought we've up Ed, to, the, the mayor, mayor of Allentown. Uh-huh. Like oh, to jail for I, yeah. yes, I, I did. I don't know if my parents told me, but I heard from someone. Yeah, you can order our, the free Ed T-shirts <laughs> yeah. on the website. Oh really? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we should uh, do that. We should do a free Ed T-shirt after Meek Mill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is free Ed Pulaski. Yeah. So, but like, so like in a in a topical fashion. Um, the, the firework laws yeah. have oh, changed. Yeah. Well, let, let me, I'll, I'll set it, because I've been spending a lot of time on Facebook Okay. Uh, regarding this. Um, so the law changed. So yeah. now you're allowed to purchase these fireworks and set them off. The rub is they can't be within 150 feet of an occupied structure, which it doesn't, like, city. The, it just it can't. Like, so, so now all the fireworks stores are selling fireworks and a tape measure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's impossible. Like, there's no, I, we did a, I did a yeah. quick story. Like, They're there, stepping it off with their feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, wait boards. But is there any, because if you, so if you do 150 feet from my house, uh-huh. 
there's no like you then you're in 150 feet from somebody else's house yeah so there's nowhere to let psych these things off but people have been going nuts because now it's legal so all the firework lighters are like ah. <laughs> the firework yeah, lighters. as, as i drove me. around on on fourth of july there is just like you know big <laughs> fireworks dude. just shooting up out yeah. of yards everywhere yeah. now and stuff so which... now the all the um you know so the people who like fireworks are really happy and then the people who don't are going insane because their dogs are like trying to hang themselves oh well, yeah yeah or they can't get to sleep so there's a lot of not happy people and it's an it's an unenforceable law because the 150 feet thing yeah. is more like there's no way there's nowhere you can set these off unless you live in well the fourth of july was the, funny because it was like a lightning thunderstorm yeah yeah and then when that stopped the fireworks were about to. so if you were a dog you were like this is the worst day of my fucking <laughs> yeah. life but yeah, so do you when when I drove back uh, or when I when I came back, I just I had heard nothing about that, and then I just saw there's all these signs <laughs> on all the fireworks stores like legal in Pennsylvania now. Blame and what I was God. talking to Tyler about last night is like it's so weird to me that they decided to do that because it's not like of all the things that you hear like political debates about, <laughs> I never heard that this was even th- something that they were considering. <laughs> it's not like marijuana or gun control where there's like a big debate or yeah. like you heard that there was like people lobbying for it or debating it. It's just that they were one day the lawmakers like, ah, why the hell not? Yeah, let them yeah, let yeah. have fireworks. I think the pushing. governor was like, let them do it. Making a bunch of money off of it. Yeah. Would you what? say big firework? Bi- the, bi- the big bottle rocket. <laughs> the big bottle rocket lobbying for it. Who is that guy? Yeah. This is a lobby yeah. for the fireworks. Yeah. Like, what would yeah. he look like? Who he's, would got, he's got like a Bud Light hat. <laughs> yeah. His overalls. He's got like a, a, a missing but- a few fingers. Yeah, missing a few fingers. He's got like a bottle opener on his belt. We gotta get these in the kid's hands. Yeah. But people are, and I mean, I get, there's some white ladies on Facebook who are really, really, really mad, like to the point where they're calling the police. Yeah. Um, they put up, there's a couple videos, my friends, and there's a north of Bethlehem, I think it was far enough away that they were setting them off legally, uh-huh. and they had the cops called on them, and this lady, like, the neighbor ran up, and she's like rattling off the ordinance. <laughs> oh my God. She's like, it's got to be 150 feet, so, I don't know, I mean, this could be something where... Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, it's really hot right now, and people are mad about it. And then nobody remembers it until next Fourth of July, and they get really mad. Well, yeah, there's it. only really one day that this matters. But no, yeah. now they're legal all the time. But who? So. What maniac is going to light off fireworks on like <laughs> there's, there's April Fourth? I'm sure. Like, now that they're illegal, I'm sure there's yeah, plenty that's of, true. Plenty of people if you were a kid, like like I would be lighting these things off all the time. It's I have fun. one funny story about fireworks that. This is oh, what, I so, have a good one also. All right, good. You this scarred me about fireworks. So, and I, I was indirectly related to this. But do you remember that one summer where it like it was like the drought of like the century, like all the grass was. Like, I feel like every drought that happens, they call the drought. Yeah, the yeah. Century. <laughs> this, but this was probably like '03 yeah. or something. Okay. And uh, so my friends had bottled like uh, um, M80s, and my one friend had a. Uh, and we used to film everything. That's all we would do. Was, what would you film it on? Uh, like a video camera. Nice. And um, so my he's also my neighbor, and they were filming. They're like this dude, and he had this life size horse, uh, stuffed animal. Okay. And like let's put a bottle rocket in its mouth and light it. Yeah. So it looks like it's smoking, and put it in the middle of the yard, <laughs> and this would be sick. We're gonna f- tape it, and uh, so we, they do it, and. The thing blows up and like immediately the yard is on fire. <laughs> Everything's on fire. Like the whole backyard, people are like running with buckets <laughs> and uh, it's all being filmed, by the way. And my friends like the, the video, all you see is like it, it's like a perfectly like the video camera. Like they start freaking out. 
My friends, like the whole backyard's on fire. And they're trying to beat the fire out with a shirt. I mean, this is uns- <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And so you see the video camera go to the ground, like on its side, and it's not moving. And you hear commotion. And in the background, all you hear is like two mopeds, like, like start up. <laughs> and you hear my friends just dip and like go off into the distance. <laughs> and off. it was a video that the police used to catch them. Wait, they left <laughs> the camera there? Yeah, they were scared. They were like 12, oh my God. 13 years old. <laughs> so that's my. Did you have the tape? No, the tape has been confiscated it was, and it's, it's evidence. Yeah, evidence in a locker. Why would you? Uh, well, my my story actually involves Dan Shelley, who's Ooh. another uh, another local comedian, local star. Yeah. So yeah, he he and I have been like friends for years. And the one year that doesn't surprise Shelley. me, by the way, that your fireworks story involves Dan oh, yeah, Shelley. Yeah, exactly. It's not even about setting them off; it's about buying them. <laughs> so the one year uh, we went down to uh, my aunt used to have a condo down in St. Augustine, Florida, uh-huh. and we went down there for a few days one summer. And we drove down. And so I drove like the whole way down there. We spent the weekend down there. And then we, I drove like ninety percent of the way back, and uh, like no issues, nothing. Yeah. We stopped in like South Carolina or something to buy fireworks because that's what you used to do. Yeah, when yeah. You, you had couldn't to get buy- them here. You'd be like, oh, they have the bottle rockets south of and the, the border, or Roman candles. Yeah. yeah. So we like stocked up with all these fireworks, and then like I put them in the back of the the truck, and I like covered mine with a blanket. And I'm like, Dan, cover your fireworks. And you know how he is. He's like, no, they're fine. They're yeah, fine. Yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. Do it. Come on. Let's just, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Just, 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 come on. Come on. And then so we're driving back. And then it's like around like two or three in the morning. We cross back into Pennsylvania. And Dan's like getting real like bored where he's like antsy to get home. He's like, let, let, let me drive for a while. Let me drive. Yeah. And no incidents this whole time. Yeah. He gets in the car. He's driving for like 10 minutes at like 90 <laughs> miles per hour. And a cop comes up behind yeah. us and starts to pull him over. He pulls over to the center divider, <laughs> and then the cop gets on the loudspeaker, goes, "Pull back into traffic carefully, <laughs> and pull over to the right yeah. side of yeah. the road." Dude, you've never so heard that, a car have to like a cop like so start that, your car again, yeah. do better. I'm gonna so that, risk you driving away. Yeah. So then we we pull over to the right side of the road, and the cop pulls up behind us. There, there's two cops in the car, and like as the cop is like walking over, or, like. I, I whenever I'm like pulled over, I sit there like I'm trying to be like yeah. as calm as possible. As the cops walking up, Dan rolls down the window, leans out, and he's like, "Yo, bro, sorry, we're just uh, driving up from Florida. I'm just trying to get home. As fast. Sorry, man, I know it's going fast." I, and, you know, like, Did it he work? Talking right away, and so the cop comes up and he's like, he's starting to write Dan a ticket for uh, for speeding for breaking the speed limit. And then, like, as he's doing that, we see the other cop come with a flashlight looking through the back window of the truck. And he goes, what do you guys got back here? <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, he's like, over it up. There's fireworks in the back. And then he, they're, like, about to they, – they looked at the fireworks. We didn't wind up getting in trouble for the fireworks. Uh-huh. But it was just that thing where, you know, I'm like, just cover the fireworks. Yeah. Like, no, no, it'll yeah, be fine. Dan. And then he drives for 10 minutes. Yeah, and then yeah. we wind up getting in trouble. Did they confiscate him or anything? They didn't. In the end, like, they, they knew there and they were like, you know, we could find you for these. But just he's, he's like, be careful when you use them. Yeah, they set them off 150 They were like looking at you like they I, felt bad for you being with Dan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that it was because it was my family's car and he uh-huh. was driving it. Um but I think that also is probably why one of the reasons that they were legalized is like even when it came to like catching someone with fireworks, like the cops Nobody don't really, really care. Yeah. Like unless something bad happens where you did like yeah, injure yeah, someone. Yeah. Like a lot of people around here had fireworks already and there was no like there was no <laughs> big yeah. you know, like like not... issue with it. Right. And it's like like you went to South Carolina to get it. So mm-hmm. now like 
that we could get that ta- those tax dollars. Yeah, we're gonna be of, rolling in money now. Yeah, in the fireworks. From, big, the fireworks. Lobby. The thing I love about Dan, the me- medical yeah. fireworks. Dan Shelley has this like aura about him. Yeah, that like, and you know him way better, but yeah. I think he avoids so much trouble just because of how like. Uh, like that he is like well no, no, he's very- fine it'll be fine <laughs> yeah, yeah. like i have a friend that's like that like we, he was driving drinking a beer and a cop was next to him like, like dude put good. the beer down he's like he'll think it's a soda and just kept drinking it yeah and he'll never get in trouble because he's got that like yeah well, like, there's no fun. anxiety in yeah. their life yeah. they're like i'm good yeah dan has that he's a he's a funny cat though we should have him on yeah Give him right. a message. We'll he hasn't done it before yeah he no be yeah um, so do you have anything coming up? I don't know, like what your summer's like. Or... Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be around on the East Coast for a few more weeks. I'm doing a show with Chris Freed at the Hamilton in Allentown. Yeah, that's Friday, uh, right? Coming Friday. They're doing yeah. comedy now. Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, they have a back room at the Hamilton that they've done a they've done shows there two or three times before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's at eight p.m. Um, if anybody's interested, I think Glenn Tickles on that oh, show yeah. also. Um, so I think that's the only other show I have coming up here. And then when I go back out to LA, I have a few shows coming up out there. When do you go back to work for? Uh, we go back to work August sixth, uh-huh. and then the episodes start taping again like the end of August, early September. And then do you is your schedule like? What are you there all day, and then you try to do shows at night, or is it a pretty intense day? Yeah, so we, we work usually like nine to six or nine to seven That's most days. Serious. So they're like you know they're they're long days, but not like super long. Um, I try to get up to stand up at least once or twice a week, still mm-hmm. whether it's a book show or a mic. Yeah. Um. And there, there's enough mics out there where I can usually get on one that's like early enough in the evening that I'm not out super late. Right. Uh. And then I go up at the clubs, you know, maybe once every couple weeks or so. Yeah. 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 Cool. And where do, where can people find you? You have social media stuff. Uh. Yeah. So you can find me on uh, Facebook, uh, comedian Adam Yenser. I post a lot of my upcoming shows on there, and then I have a website, adamyenser.com, where I post a few video clips and. I also post the dates of like upcoming uh-huh. performances. You don't on tweet, there. do you? Oh, so I joined Twitter <laughs> in April because I, I don't like Twitter. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Twitter. I can't get into it. I joined Twitter in April because at some point some Ellen fan made uh, like at Kevin the cashier. Oh yeah, you're Kev- we didn't mention that you're Kevin the cashier. Yeah, there's yeah. a hidden camera bit I do on the <laughs> Ellen show. And yeah, so a fan made like the this like Adam Yenser Twitter page. And it has like I the the profile picture is like me on Conan, and then the banner is like the Ellen DeGeneres show, and it like claims to be me. Yeah. And the the fake Adam Yenser Twitter page has like four hundred followers, <laughs> and mine has like eight followers, <laughs> and I've tweeted like six times, yeah. and I, I just can't get into it. Yeah. But um, like what what annoyed me about it, the reason is because people were like when I would do shows, they would be tagging the fake. Page mm-hmm. as like an official page for me. Yeah, and what annoyed me is like the the fake Adam Yenser page. I think they've stopped doing it now, but they were tweeting out like jokes. Yeah, and the jokes weren't good. Yeah. and I'm like, oh man, like some people, yeah. some people are worried about like getting their material stolen. Yeah. I'm worried about bad jokes being attributed to me that someone else wrote. Yeah, and I'm like, this is terrible. This yeah. isn't funny at all. Yeah, like the, well, we'll the tag, Indian we'll tag giver of the <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll retweet this. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you do follow me on on Twitter, I don't tweet much, but. Uh, at Kevin the Cashier is the fake one. Don't follow that one. Mine is at Clean Comedian sixty nine. Nice. There you go. Hell yeah. So, all right. I think we're I think we're, that's we're good. solid, man. Yeah, we talked about fun. fireworks. I'm still sober. Yeah, good. Good, we good to have good to have you back in a, a in a responsible a rough, fashion. It was a rough week. So, all right. Well, thanks for right. coming well, on. Yeah, we thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll look for you. Uh, 
And until next time. All right, bye. Well,